Iowa everywhere. It's time for Miller and Williams on Iowa Everywhere. Presented by Prairie Meadows Racetrack and Casino. This is Iowa Everywhere. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Miller and Williams here. If you're um, one of the few watching us live, uh, it's on a Thursday. Most of you are listening to this on your podcast feeds on a Friday and uh, I guess we should tell people what the reason I said that is we we I throw it on live YouTube because there's a few people just have their YouTube on all the time and then right. like the but we we don't do this live because our your your schedule and my schedule don't always mix so we don't want to like promote it and then have to change it around and right because you're pretty busy and important I just am along for the ride stop it and whenever you make time in your schedule it, you know i try to make it work for mine you're the, you're the gas man i am the gas man should get a license plate like that like kramer <laughs> yeah <laughs> cosmo kramer the ass man the ass man thanks to Indeed. prairie meadows race trek and casino your favorite place to play for sponsoring the podcast here on iowa everywhere we're having a i just feel like we should bring the audience into this before we get into uh whatever we're going to get into today we're gonna yeah the really important things we're going to talk about today big 12's potential television deal is looming the right. um i want to talk about ncaa tournament expansion a uh, bunch of other things but the um the the hot topic of the day is we were texting last night about dog the bounty hunter yeah, yeah, I'd sent you a, a meme that oh, basically, oh, 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 that basically, I'm not going to say the person because I don't want to get political to start. It says, I'm so sick of people making fun of blank, blank, blank politician, just leave her alone. And um, it was a picture of, I'm, I'm going to like scroll up. It was a picture of uh, the dog. dog, the dog. And you sent to me, I was a big dog guy back in the day. His wife turned me on. I don't know. <laughs> for those who read it word for word, but that's okay. Look at them. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Them tiggles. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're the one that said we started talking about this before the mic went on. You said save it for the podcast. I'm like, okay. <laughs> he didn't know what I was going to say, so I guess it's a fair. It's all in play. So yeah. So anyhow, you're a big dog guy. Was it? Was it? Was her name Elizabeth? Beth. Miss Elizabeth? It was Beth, yeah. That's that's Macho Man's sidekick. I wonder if that... You need to ask Castle if Beth from Dog the Bounty Hunter was the inspiration behind his uh, Cooter Ray's girlfriend, Crystal Beth. You <laughs> remember, remember her? Cooter Ray having a girlfriend. Oh, man. You didn't remember Crystal Beth? Oh, geez. <laughs> you sexy son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. You, you, you got to ask him about that. Need to look that one up. You do. You yeah, do. I never really understood when I was a kid what dog was. Like, oh, I thought you were gonna say what attracted you to Beth. No, I know what attracted me to Beth. It was right. that right. the motherly you know. Nope. Nope. I don't want to play this game. <laughs> this is a this is a this is this road here. This is not on my Google Maps. I'm not turning down this highway. I'll I'll talk about a lot of things, but I'm not a fan of that. 
put put that picture of Beth back up. You'll know okay. what attracted yeah. me to her. Young adolescent Chris Williams sitting around Clarinda, Iowa. Yep. Yep. I'm pretty sure there's part what's of that hand, what's that hand picture. lotion that people use a lot, you know, they talk about, you know Jurgens. Jurgens, right, right. Jurgens. You might have had some Jurgens, because your hands get dry when you're a teenager, especially when you're a teenager. So anyhow. My focus is off. There we go. I'm back. Welcome back, back in focus. Back in focus now. Ready this is to go. what happens when Iowa State's on a bye week and Iowa is a 31-point underdog or whatever it is oh, right Jesus. now. Jesus. Did, did we really have – there's a million topics in the world that we can talk to, about, but you had to bring that one up. Uh, well, I mean, it's Iowa everywhere. It's kind of – It is. It's it's we game do. week. Um, you know, what? by now probably a lot of people saw that th- funny thing that you did with uh, Matt Campbell. You oh, know, yeah. his uh, – what was it? F off. Shut the F up B. Shut shut the F up B. Um, what's funny is is that like you had sent me instructions on how to play along, <laughs> and I replied back. So you said, "Hey, I'm going to send you guys a text. And I want you to reply back. Shut the F up B." <laughs> and, and and that was in a string that you had with me and a couple of the people, and then you sent me a specific text just to me, and. I said, it, so your text to me was, must have been an awesome weekend for you not having to watch that Iowa offense. Am I right, bro? Tough luck on your Chiefs. Better days ahead, exclamation point. I thought Chris was just making conversation with me. So I said, dude, no. I just, dude, phenomenal weekend. Golf two days in a row, no painful Iowa football. Um, and you're like, John, you're supposed to reply. <laughs> Don't worry. Rosenfels did the same thing. He had no okay. idea what to do either. Good. Good. You know, it's funny. I, you say Rosenfels. I'm like, is he saying that right? I thought it was Rosenbloom. But it is Rosenfels. Yeah. It is. Rosenbloom is just the name of the podcast. You and you and Sage didn't uh, really. Bohannon understood. He told me to shut the F up immediately. Well, well yeah. He's been waiting for that. You probably, you know, you say that Sage and I are a lot alike. So maybe our, uh, maybe our age was showing there. I don't know. Sage was when we were. When I was trying to get you guys to respond to me in that way, Sage was at a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. Dude is like he's like a young Bill Walton. Yeah. Did I just nail it? You did. All right. Well done. John. No, he is. He's just he's a fascinating, fascinating individual. Yeah. Well, just talking to him and the the best is when you get him, you know, and you're gonna be locked in a place for five six hours and you don't right. worry about like driving and stuff for sure the, the more authentic version of him you know is allowed to come out which is great they had a really good interview rose and bloom this week with pete damel from espn on like mm-hmm. the future of college football it was really it was really good stuff kind of where i was gonna start with you today there is a report out on the big 12's future television deal from right Dennis Dodd, I believe, from CBS is the one who reported this. So Brett Yormark is this new um, – I heard – I think it was Dan Wetzel described him as a he's, – he's like a character from Billions. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Billions? We've talked love, about this. Love Billions. Yeah. Love Billions. So Yormark's this kind of really ultra-aggressive, always wearing a slim-fitting suit. Like he's – 
he's kind of the total opposite of Bob Bullsby in, in that sense. Bob was a, um, you know, very much a lifer in college sports and did the whole academia thing at Stanford and right. The Midwestern guy. Right. Uh, your mark has been very ultra aggressive. The numbers right now, John, look to be like it would after playoff and NCAA tournament and all that stuff. What I'm hearing around $50 million a year for the new Big 12, which I think I mean, is a huge win if they can pull that number. That would be remarkable. That would be uh, Rasputin uh, rising from death once again because um, the Big 12 is written off as dead every other week, it seems like. Can't believe these talk show hosts do that to the Big 12. They just throw things out there and say it's dead and that Iowa State's going to have to join the MAC. They have no shame, no shame whatsoever. Um and, you know, I did see something I sent you and got no reply. You know, I didn't reply back to your dog joke that you made, which was hilarious. Um, but you didn't reply back to what I sent that said that, that maybe Iowa State and some other schools are going to go join the Pac-12. That's because that, that was total horseshit. Like as in like an intentional lie? Did I like – did I – text you a link to something yeah. that was just a fabrication i thought you were just messing with me when you sent me that honestly because the post underneath that tweet was the same author going oh yeah i don't know anything this isn't even true i'm just playing around well, see i didn't read beyond the first tweet um but, i just yeah, really thought, thought that was some just... sizzle and frankly this serves a really good purpose right now what we're doing this is an object lesson i did this on purpose i, I knew it was fake um just to make sure that you are not running off chasing after red herrings and congratulations. You passed the test. <laughs> I'm going to send dog after you. Yeah. You like, know what? I moved, I I moved like, so much. He doesn't know where I'm at. Like, wait, wait a minute. This guy's job. He's not a cop, but like, what the hell are the police doing? He's Herschel Walker. Did he have a badge? I don't understand. Like, cause really all you need is a badge. Apparently. Oh, yeah. Ask and you're a cop. Right. Herschel Walker ruined my life. At a young whoa, age. whoa. This is uh, breaking news. Herschel Walker ruins Chris Williams' life. Story he made me a Vikings six. fan. So, oh. Single worst decision of my life at that age to dad was a cowboy, still is a Cowboys fan. My favorite player gets traded. I went with my favorite player on the worst trade in the history of sports. That's the type of decision-making prowess I have. Um, it's it, He ruined my life, made me a Vikings fan. Listen, you were young. When we're young, we are most Americans are indoctrinated uh, to a certain extent. A lot of talk about indoctrination goes on in today's world, but there's a great deal of indoctrination that never gets talked about, and that's what happens to most people when they're home from birth to the age of 18. And uh, you made some mistakes, but you're an adult now. And we are not always condemned to be the people that we once were. So, my friend, there are, what, 30 other teams, 31 other teams? Go ahead. Feel free. Step out. Make a change. I can't do it. Well, then your suffering is self-inflicted, self-inflicted, ergo, you are a masochist. Here, because here's what will happen. I truly believe this. If I were to leave the Vikings now, 
yeah. they would win a Super Bowl next year. Right. If I stay with the Vikings, they will never win a Super Bowl before I die. Well, that's just stupid. No, I truly believe it. Well, I know, but then you don't. It's superstition. That's dumb. My kids last night at the dinner table said, Jinx, don't jinx it, Dad. And I looked at them in the eye and said, Jinxes are for the weak of mind. Pass me the butter. <laughs> Pass me the fucking butter. <laughs> and it's better be butter, not this plant-based butter shit your mom's buying <laughs> that actually is really delicious. <laughs> it's spread so delightfully. Now you got to slap an E on this freaking episode. Yeah, it's Miller's first E. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> That might be my first podcast. <laughs> and it all started uh, with Dog the Bounty Hunter. And, it, and it led to Herschel and it led to the Vikings. But again, so with your Vikings, do you have any other NFL team that you have any sense of emotional attachment to? None? I, the Cowboys I root for because that was my first okay. team because okay. my dad. All right. So I grew up, you know, I'm, I was born in 71. Grandparents lived in Northwest Missouri. Would get dropped off there for sometimes weeks at a time in the summer. You know, that's what happens. They had no television in Stanbury, Missouri back in 1977, 78. No TV. Uh, Stanbury, okay? really? Because I used to cover them eight man, eight player football. They had a really yeah. good program I, called I, some Stanbury Games. There you go. Rock so, um, my brother and I would play catch in the front yard, listen, and while my grandparents were listening to Denny Matthews and Frank White, listening to the Royals games. That's yeah. how I became a Royal Royals fan. Well, then in 1980, I don't know, I'm guessing 82, 83, we moved to the other side of West Branch, um, and we lived a couple houses down from Scotty and Richie Stout. Richie was a big Cubs fan. Every day, the leadoff man would come on at 1 o'clock, Cubs games then, you know, first pitch was 120 on WGN, the Superstation. We'd be playing all sorts of games all morning long, have lunch, be playing games. All the game playing would stop when the Cubs came on because Rich was going to watch the Cubs. So it pissed me off, but then I started watching the Cubs too, and I started to like the Cubs. And then 84 happened, and I really liked the Cubs. And 89, you know, when, before Will Clark knocked them out. So I was a Cubs and a Royals fan mm -hmm. on the John Miller show back in the 2000s so we're fast forwarding now the cubs had just lost another postseason series i think it was to the dodgers they got their asses swept out and i'm like i'm done i'm done i'm done giving any more of my life my time my emotion to this woebegone franchise i'm divorcing them had a divorce attorney on for a segment asking how i could go through it so i turned it into a bit but it was legit Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? I'm going back 100% with the Royals because at least I know the Royals are going to suck and they're not going to tear my heart out, right? So that's like 2006, 2007. Well, fast forward to 2015, Royals won. 2014, when they made the playoffs on that Salvador Perez, somehow he pulled it down the line when everybody knows he's going to try to pull it and the pitch was six inches off the plate and he still pulled it. I cried. I cried. That's my phantom. Fast forward to the Cubs a year later. I wondered how I would feel if the Cubs won because I really and legitimately gave a lot of my time and my emotion to the Cubs. When the Cubs won, I was happy for my friends that had remained Cubs fans. I felt nothing. You don't have to be this way. You're choosing to be this way. Interesting. Cowboys, baby. No, I just – I mean, I – I can I still root for them and I like I'll root for the Chiefs because they're local and I really like Mahomes, but it's nothing like the Vikings. I can't yeah. leave the Vikings. I mean, because if you start cheering for the Chiefs, that would feel a little bandwagony, right? Well, I can't you, now. Yeah, you can't. Right. Now. Yeah, you gotta wait till Mahomes is 
done, and then they're nothing for another forty years. No, it's yeah. I, but the I Cowboys, the you Chiefs, growing up because they were the other local team. Right there, you go. So anyway. the Cowboys, at least you have a you have an in. So. I just love Mahomes because the Big Twelve stuff, and I I like I started following Mahomes when he was like a sophomore Good in high Lord. school when he was being recruited. I just what? love Mahomes because he's from the Big Twelve. No, it, it, he represents. You sound like a Bama fan. Shut up. He represents an era where everybody, all they did was shit on the Big Twelve, no defense, all the right. And and I kept telling people during my, we all want to be right, correct? We've we've discussed this, unfortunately. And I hung my hat on this guy's different. Everybody should want a piece of this guy. When the Chiefs drafted him, I called it the, one of the greatest draft picks of all time. Like I've, I've and and I was right about Mahomes. It's my sports wise, like the most accurate I've ever been on anything. And I just he's like Pat. him. I, yeah. He's a good guy by all means. Like I like Patrick Mahomes, and he's a guy who, like, I don't sit and root for the Chiefs. I'm not, but if I'm watching, like, I'm absolutely going to root for him over Josh Allen. And I don't have anything against Josh Allen. It's just, I like Patrick Mahomes. Right. That's fine. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. Baker I mean, Mayfield is a Heisman Trophy winner and left because he knew he couldn't play because that's how good Patrick Mahomes was. Hmm. Baker got paid, though. He did. A little bit. He ain't no Patrick Mahomes. No, he's no Chase Daniels either. Chase Daniels was a heartbreaker for Iowa State. Guy. Iowa State fans hate Chase Daniels. Yeah. Anyways, this big do Iowa, TV. Do Iowa State fans hate uh, the refs even more this week? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, and they should. They should. If I was an Iowa State fan, I could all – and you know I'm not a big conspiracy believer. I mean, I just texted you this morning. Every time I see UFO videos where there's a light in the sky, I instantly believe that's not a UFO because an advanced technology doesn't need lights, Right. That makes sense to me. That's, that's it's logical. One smart, that's one of the smartest things you've ever said. It's Occam's razor. It's how I live my life. All right. So, so by the way, Steve Kemp told me uh, the guy no. he said the Occam's razor for him is what is the most likely thing to happen is yeah, it's that the Miller simplest explanation or Miller is going to go back to being what he knows he is because he's heard it for twenty years. That's what Steve says. Steve, razor. well done. Well done. <laughs> and logically and to the letter of Occam's, I do not disagree with you. I just need, you know, another 15 years on the other side of snark to prove that wrong. But well done. Well played. And you know what? You're not wrong from a logical standpoint. You're going to miss it out on this one. Unless Williams pushes me over the edge, then all bets are off. Well, we haven't gotten the basketball season yet. Well, which we know that no, no I'm not going to do it. Nope, stop myself right there. It, I'm just saying it's easy for me, like in football season, because I genuinely kind of like Kirk Ferentz. Like I right. Wait a second, him. you don't like Fran McCaffrey? I I'm not saying I don't like him personally because I don't like Fran has always nothing been nothing but nice. Seems to Seems like me. a great dude, actually. Yeah, he's never done anything to me. It's just it's much harder for me to root for Iowa basketball than it is Iowa football. I don't I don't care for and this is not breaking news. I don't care for Fran's blow-ups. I don't mind getting feisty, getting upset, getting a charge in your players. I just don't like cuz I feel it puts Iowa potentially at a competitive disadvantage. I mean, if Jordan Bohannon is to be believed, 
with what he said like a month and a half ago on uh, the Jared and Jabo podcast that he feels that 20% of Iowa's losses in the time he was there, it was rigged and the officials basically cost Iowa the game. Let's just say I pretend to live in that make-believe fantasy world that Jordan's throwing out there, okay? Because I don't believe that. But let's just say that was if that's the case, it's because Fran can be an a-hole on the sidelines. Oh, absolutely. And the officials don't like him, so they're out to get him. That would be what that is. So, I don't know. I just don't buy that. That is not fit with inside the Occam's world. And I'm not insulting Jared uh, or, or Jordan here. I'm just saying I don't buy that. Um, but Fran's a good dude. He's a good coach. He's actually one. I think he's one of the best evaluators of talent of any college basketball coach I've seen. He just doesn't get to land them all that often. He just keeps stumbling upon these wooden award winners. I mean, that's pretty good. Well, you're right. Stuff, you're right. right. He, he he gets in on players early, and then their profile rises, and they go somewhere else. We I mocked him openly for signing the Murray twins. That's how dumb I am. We were. Mm, that's awesome. a miss. Yeah, big time. Yeah, you got Mahomes over here. And yeah. We got the Murray twins over right. here. You got. Well, I I thought it was a joke. I'm like, oh, he's just getting all these legacy guys. These guys don't even have offers. And he was right. I was obviously very very wrong. Would you say that there was a better college basketball player than Keegan Murray last year? I know I'm asking you to go back to last year, which would kill me. I can't think of two other ones. But um, I I think there's a case that could be made that he was the best player in college basketball last year. That's that's safer to say. You could make a case, right? Absolutely, you could make a case. So what's a bigger – I mean, is that a bigger miss than the Mahomes prediction was a hit? No. Because I was saying that about Mahomes when he was a freshman in college. Okay. Because everybody was freaking out when Baker Mayfield transferred from Texas Tech. I'm like, guys, this guy's this Mahomes guy's he's going to change the game. Yeah, and he's he certainly does things I've never seen. He's a freak. Isn't it cool though? It's just a Kansas City guy, like yeah, that Mahomes like he he's investing in the city. He's He's doing all these things that you just don't – it's like the anti-NBA guy, right? Because it's all super teams and there's constant player movement. Mahomes is like putting his stake in Kansas City. That's awesome as a fan. Yeah, he's a minority owner of the Royals. Yeah, you know? and the, that soccer club. The current. Yeah. Yeah, can't wait to go down there and watch some current games. So, I'm, a, I'm just a big, big Patrick Mahomes fan. You know, the, today's podcast so far um, is Trying really to, get to this Big 12 television. Dude. It is, but I love podcasts like this. I don't know that other people will, but these are my favorite kind of pod. Just drive that sucker right into the ditch, right off the road, and you don't know how you're going to get back on. And you may have to travel down some alleyways that aren't necessarily on Google Maps to get it back, but you're trying to get it back. Big 12 media, $50 well, million I- dollars a year would be great. I actually think that people might enjoy it because Iowa fans, I don't think, really want to hear about Iowa, Ohio State. You're not You're not wrong. I'm not being critical. I will never be critical of the guy that's bringing topics to the show. Never. I'm just observing. I love the meandering road that we're taking, and you're right. I don't think Iowa fans want to hear me talk about how bad Iowa's going to get killed and that the fact that I put Ohio State in a parlay for this week and Ohio State's minus 28 and a half, I'm like, yeah, they're oh, in. Oh, wow. You they're in. It? You of course I did. It's up to like 30 and a half right now. I don't know that I'd. I bet I, Iowa last night. I saw that. I I'll, finally you, did. 
the, yeah. you know, I, I had to mute your notifications after 10 so I can get some sleep because that's when daddy here sent in <laughs> 10 bets that's blowing my phone up. It is when I make my bets. Once it's I get the ding, girls to bed. Ding, ding, <laughs> Daddy's going down Cody Road and needs a freaking intervention on his bets. Uh, yeah, that's that's when I go to town. You're right. You do. You do. But fifty million, you know, fifty million a year. If I would have told you uh, the day after that Texas and Oklahoma were leaving to go to the SEC, that don't worry, in three years you're going to sign a, a TV rights deal for the leftovers and bring in a few other non-marquee na- names, and you're going to get fifty million a year. Sign me up right there. I I totally agree, and the fact that they're going to stay a linear for the most part is huge now i think that the one thing that this story is probably missing is i would be shocked if there's not some sort of an amazon ish that's fine no i i think there could be an even higher end for revenue is what i'm what i'm trying to say because i i just think that kind of how that's been left open with the big 10 right like there, Mm -hmm. there could be a deal where they they throw ESPN back into the mix, right? Like they're they're trying to carve out more content and whatnot. And this didn't mention that in the CBS report. Uh, what's interesting to me is the Pac-12 aspect. And it would seem to me that if the Big 12 jumps ahead of the Pac-12, which is due for a new deal right now, that's pretty bad news for our friends out West. As far I don't, as what- I don't see how the Big 12 doesn't jump ahead of the Pac-12. I mean, it's... The ratings, the ratings are that. Yeah, I just don't see. I don't see how that happens. And you know, here's the thing, though. If if there is like a an Amazon package, and there, I think there's going to be. I think the Big Twelve is going to set the standard for um, a streaming service. They're going to have the most games on it of any league to date. Um, Iowa State fans are not luddites. The computer was invented in Ames, right? George Washington Carver. We invented the peanut too. Every, everybody knows that. Um, computer was invented in Ames and Iowa state fans have grown, um, to be experienced and adept at watching Iowa state games on streaming platforms. So for, if you're an Iowa state fan, this is great. More money for the, the program. And you already know how to find Iowa state's games on ESPN plus and other streaming services. There is no disruption to your fan experience. If you're an Iowa state fan, the only thing that pisses me off is just, it's how the media works. But it, it becomes like a, when, when you see these national guys throwing around the TV ratings. Yeah. It's like, so, for instance, like Oklahoma State and TCU drew a really good rating. It was like 2.1 million. Going up against Bama, Tennessee, and like that 230 slot last Saturday was insane, right? There's never any context given to any ratings because then the same guy – will post USC Utah, which is going up against nothing. And they'll be like, well, look at the rating this did compared to Oklahoma State and TCU. Well, right. yeah, switch the time slots, dumbass. And like, right, like, so then TCU Kansas State, which is for first place in the Big 12, it gets put on FS1 on Saturday night. Right. Where ratings, be, ratings go to die. Yeah, right. Like, and it's just like, well, 
no, dumbass, put that game on Fox and it's going to pull the ratings too. And then mm. they'll use the bad ratings for that game against the Big 12, even though it was fu- – right? Like, I get it. Like, certain schools draw more than others. I'm not dumb to that. But it also becomes a thing where you can kind of dictate what the ratings are going to be by as well by where you put these games. For sure. Yeah, and, and that's and that's dumbassery. I mean, I saw some of Jamie's tweets this week relative to ratings, so it struck a nerve with him. That's one of the things I like about Jamie um, is that his fan shows all the time, and he's a fan. He's Jamie's like us, and he'll, he'll make tweets and things that we would make that you might not see your typical athletic director make, which, you know, who cares about a typical? Um, so I like that. Jamie's a fan, and he was standing up for uh, his league. Uh, nobody nobody circles the wagons like Big 12 fans. There's no doubt. You guys are all one arm-in-arm arm now, right? Well, now because there's – like, I've never seen the Big 12 like this. I remember back in the day when the Big 10, you guys were all like, buddy, buddy, oh, we do the revenue sharing. We do all this stuff. And, like, the Big 12, everybody just hated each other because of the Nebraska-Texas – at, this is back when Nebraska was, which Nebraska leaving was still one of the dumbest things ever because they controlled, right? Like they were, right. they were in the driver's seat to make more. Like we've seen what happened. I understood why they were doing it at the time, but looking back in hindsight, they really could have flourished. I think. Um, but now the Big Twelve, it's like everybody. Pete Thamel put it really well with with Rose and Bloom earlier in the week. He said, like, everybody lives on the same street. You don't have, like, a rich guy and a poor guy and a media. Like, they're all pretty much it's a really good same analogy. type of house. I like that. Yep, I like that. Everybody is living on Main Street Bondurant. None of these folks out in cushy West Des Moines, you know? Yeah. We're all right down Main Street Bondu. You guys call it Bondu? Yeah. Yeah, we you call should. it Bondu. You should. Yeah. You're all going up to uptown to eat at that great place that you and I had breakfast. Um, Somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And then getting drinks right next door at the beer garden at the uh, founders. There you go. That's what you're doing. Your community. Big 10 right now. I hate them all. Everybody's got money. Everybody got paid. Piss off. There's no other team in the Big 10 I like. Don't like any of them. Not a big UCLA guy. No, no. Although I did have a UCLA Bruins hat when I was like 12, and it was made of corduroy. The only thing cool about that move is you got sweet uniforms with UCLA. Well, you know, I guess I hadn't factored that into my uh, equation, so I probably it's need to that step move, back and consider it. I was watching Utah-USC last week, and that move all of a sudden pissed me off. The UCLA and USC? Why? Because I just was thinking, like, this USC-Utah thing is exactly what college sports is supposed to be. Big brand, L.A., uh, all the NIL money with Caleb, right? Like all these hot shots, Lincoln Riley coming to Utah, blue collar, in that place, blackout. We hate these guys. It's exactly what a regional college football game is supposed to be. You don't think USC coming to Kinnick isn't going to be like greasers and socias and and, and the outsiders? I mean. It could, but it'll happen once every like eight years. Yeah, it's true. I mean, there's other people, though. I mean, I get what you're saying. It's not like Utah and USC have a great deal of tradition. No, they don't, but it's still you felt that that regional, like, I don't know. No, listen, it bugs you, you know. You're right. There's not a ton of tradition there. Ten years from now, 
who knows if we'll even still be talking about college football? Who knows? I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's a given. It'd be, just be one like, you know, Pangea, you know, one conference of 30 to 40 teams or whatever. That will who, ruin it for me. I, that's why I'm saying, will we yeah. even be talking about it? You know, maybe we'll be all in on uh, pickleball by that's then. It's a big upcoming sport. It's really, it is. I'm not doing it because I can see my Achilles going out. I just drive my golf cart, drive right past the pickleball courts at the club. And the pickleball courts are always packed. They have pickleball courts at your club? Oh, yeah. They got tennis courts, pickleball courts, multiple pools. Do you have um, to wear a polo to get in th- there? They got masseuse. Fresh, oh, yeah. There's a there's a dress code. Press pants. There's a dress code. So I can't wear overalls if I want to go golfing with you. No. No. You can't. You can't. But you can wear, you know, khakis. I got one of those Columbia fishing shirt. shirts. I like to wear golfing. It breathes. Yeah. Can I wear that out there? Tuck it in. Tuck those shirts in. Then you don't get a no Coke. You wear it unbuttoned and you ride. You're out. We got a Muni down the road for you. Shiloh Springs in Platte City. John Miller, country club elitist. Don't I look like it? Don't I look like it, baby? Just wearing my, you know, my dregs here. I ain't no elitist. I don't have. I mean, I don't got Phil Mickelson on my bookshelf back here like you do on yours. Oh my god, that book's amazing. Yeah, I bet you it is. Read that book. Yeah, I mean, I've got like. Let me see here. Let you got all your I'm... wife's vegan books. Nope, that's upstairs. Um, I've got uh, four foundations of golf. Stephen King's The Stand. Steve Jobs. Uh, three Beatles books. Japanese candlestick uh, trading chart techniques. Obama book, Queen. That's what I got right now. The um, NCAA tournament has been getting a lot of discussion this week. There's all these basketball media days that are happening. And if you right now, if you would just search NCAA tournament on your computer, the only thing you will find is a plethora of coaches and commissioners campaigning for the NCAA tournament to be expanded well into the 100s. Why are the uh, why are the coaches and athletic directors um, pandering for that? Well, the coaches are doing it so that they can all make their stupid bonuses and say that they made the NCAA tournament. Bingo. There's your there's your answer. You'll see people say certain things, but there's always the real thing. So that is it from the coaches. Um, and you know what? I'm not going to say that there's not merit to the argument, even though I think that the the premise is not necessarily being forthright. Um, Ken Pomeroy, a tweet I retweeted yesterday, said in 1985, when the field was expanded to 64 teams, there were 282 Division One teams at that point, or 22.7% of teams made it into the NCAA tournament, okay? Well, now there's 363 Division One programs, and 22.7% of 363 is 82. Now, I'm not saying that 22.7% is some type of historical line of demarcation that we must maintain the same number from. 
I'm just saying it's an interesting take and why I wouldn't just, you know, tell everyone to piss off. We already moved it to 68. It's not 64 anymore. Um, no, we didn't. It's still 64. Well, for, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. You know, the first four, none of those guys are, you know, they're all sitting around. They got the cameras on, right? And everyone's like, all right. And in Dayton, Austin <laughs> P. And they're like, hey, all right, son of a bitch. We're not in the tournament yet. So, anyway. But, you know, I could, I can see it either way. We, If we expand, here's what we do. And I, I to the listeners of um, – fanatics over the years you've heard me talk about this for five years now you need to make Dayton better and make Dayton like it, its own tournament and the winners that come out of these pods in Dayton get into the tournament but we don't include those 16 seeds those 16 seeds belong playing in the real tournament right like you don't win the swack conference tournament and then have to go to Dayton if you win your SWAC conference tournament, you get to go to the real tournament. Okay, I'm in. Save save Dayton. Put as many teams as you want in Dayton. Make maybe it's a 16 team tournament in Dayton where four get out, and it's the last chance dance. And and, and it's, it's all like these- the, the losing lottery ticket, second chance win deal, yes. right? Yes. I mean, it's I, your I high majors that are the last 16 in, right. and they're going to duke it out. So if you're saying that conference tournament champions for those most conferences have those get the automatic invite, then let them in the show. Yeah, I agree. Like, enough of this farce, to, right? Like, to just, me, I'd already say that the the lowest four rated teams, whether they won their conference tournament or not, should be in Dayton. But if we're going to have a, an invitation process by which the automatic tournament, the automatic qualifier for the tournament winner gets you into the NCAA tournament, okay, let them be in. But don't relegate them to the the couch on Animal House, sitting next to Jug Dish. That you're not going to get an actual invitation to Never the fraternity. Should I watch that Animal House? It's pretty funny. Is it as good as old school? I think it's better than old school. But I don't like stupid comedies. I don't like dumb. I've never seen Dumb and Dumber. You've never seen Dumb and Dumber? Nope. I don't like insulting stupidity in the form of comedy. But if you put yeah, you watch Iowa football. Oh, Boom! A bitch. <laughs> well, I don't know where we go from here. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to uh, I'm sorry. the Washed Up Walk-Ons this morning. I like um, that show. And the only reason I tuned in this week, I knew there wasn't a game to talk about, was I knew they were going to be talking about the 2017 Iowa win over Ohio State. And it was awesome. I was laughing, had some good memories of a time that seems a long time ago, and I really enjoyed it. And But then I started thinking, gosh, dang it, 11 o'clock on Saturday. I'm tuning in for a woodshed beating. And I, m- you may not know this about me, but I enjoy circuitous storytelling and writing devices. I like to end a piece or a commentary where I began it. So the premise is in the lead, and the last is it's it's it, I just close the circle. All right, I come I like to come full circle. I kind of worry that we're coming full circle on Iowa football. Um, that two thousand that nineteen ninety nine offensive line was not ready for prime time. 
they were an embarrassment. This year's offensive line is kind of feeling like it's getting in the neighborhood of an embarrassment. And they're young. Um, Iowa had better skill position players in 1999 when everyone said that Hayden Fry left the cupboard bare than they do right now. The defense right now is elite. Special teams, elite. But, man, I worry that what happens a, a lot of times in coaching is that, you know, the guy stays around too long and becomes the villain. Well, Kirk Ferentz is probably worthy of, you know, maybe even a statue, some people would say, um, alongside Hayden. I don't know. You can debate that. I but think that his, the merits of what he's done would are deserving of that. I think that if you take away his very brief stint in Maine, his winning percentage is meets the Hall of Fame criteria. You're talking about at least a two, if not three time national, maybe four time national coach of the year, but at least three. Um, you talk about what a couple three Big Ten championships. Um, yeah, I think I think he's deserving of it. Is go ahead, it, make it, your make your piece. Is it wouldn't he be considered to be more accomplished than Hayden Fry at Iowa? I think if you were just strictly looking at um, numbers like that. Yes, probably so. But when you're looking at what Hayden inherited versus yeah, what yeah. Kirk inherited, yeah, I, I would that. say no. But, yeah, I mean, I, w- I want to get these things right before somebody reaches out. Two Big Ten championships, um, four-time four time Big Ten coach of the year. Um, AP coach of the year in 02, uh, coach of the year in 15. So it looks like two-time coach of the year. So I was a little wrong there, but. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's commensurate with the Hall of Fame resume. I just, I, I don't want to, I would rather not see him go out this way. But What's unfortunately, the marriage to his son as offensive coordinator is probably going to lead that way. What's more likely, though, well, that Kirk has a new offensive coordinator next year and he's still the head coach, or that they all just pack up and lead together? And he retires. That is a great question. Because it's going to get toxic, man. Like it's already toxic, but I would say this a lot worse. Yeah, I would say this. If the lawsuit brought by some former players relative to concerns over uh, racial disparity, which is about the nicest way I can say it, if that lawsuit has not been resolved by I don't know the next few months I could see Kirk calling it a day um because the thing is I think that it this is my opinion okay based on just looking at things and having lived in the world for 51 years especially the world the, the world the last four I think Brian Ferentz is likely going to find it a very difficult road to be hired by anyone while this lawsuit is still ongoing. That is not me offering commentaries to the uh, validity or substance in the lawsuit or the opposite, whether it has none or not. Well, look, that, at, this, look at this the is Doyle just, deal. He can't get a that's job. That's the thing. He can't get a job. I'm not, And I'm not saying that Doyle and Brian are on the same footing. I'm just saying that looking no, at the world that we're in now, and right, 
Yeah. Right. We're looking at the world that we live in now. Until this is resolved, until and unless this is resolved in quote unquote Brian's favor, let's just say. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's getting a job as a football coach anywhere in the United States and of it, America. And let's be honest, when it comes to offensive accomplishments, he's not Art Bryles, right? Like this is. He's probably south of Art Bryles relative to offensive accomplishments. Safe that's to say. what I'm saying. And I'm not comparing them morally here, but I'm saying like both guys have a, a Bryles. Obviously, we all know the severity of that, and he got run out of Baylor and all. But my point, yeah, you're is, not talking about that. He was an all star, right? He's like thought Great of as one of the mind. brightest offensive minds in history. And you're like, well, I could see that guy getting the job at some point because somebody's going to be desperate enough. Right? No, he hasn't yet, and I'm shocked that he hasn't by now. Because again, but, it's the world we live in now. Correct. And now you have Brian, who's less severe as far as all that the side stuff goes. But he's heading up the worst offense in college football. Right. That's a joke. Right. Go to a national podcast. Like, Iowa's offense is brought up as a joke consistently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's really tough. Yeah. To me, it's like one of Kirk's buddies, um, do you hire Brian as a tight ends coach? I no, don't know. Close. I don't know that you can even do that. Until unless and until this lawsuit is gone. And again, this isn't a discussion on the merits of the lawsuit or any of that. Mm -hmm. It's there. It's 2022. And I don't think that Kirk under any circumstances wants to fire his son. Um, If Brian were able to find employment elsewhere, that would make it easy. But since I don't know that he is, and I imagine he wants to remain in the profession. I think, I think it's really does Kirk step away because he's tired of it or is Brian reshuffled to another position on staff? Would Brian be comfortable with that? Maybe the offensive line, maybe that's a face saving thing. And then Kirk brings in another offensive coordinator. And I've tweeted this out. If you are an offensive coordinator worth a damn, why in the world would you go be Kirk Ferentz's offensive coordinator? Unless you have in writing with lawyers' involvement that says, I get to install the offense that I want to run. If you're Kirk Ferentz's offensive coordinator, you're a puppet. You are on training wheels. It's training wheels football. Okay, you're my offensive coordinator. Um, I'll let you choose from one of these four plays on first down. But if we're second and long, you get to choose from one of these six. Um, they all must have this. It, count me out. Mm-hmm. So if Kirk Ferentz is your head coach, and unless you feel confident in what he's told you, that you are going to get to run an offense the way you – I mean, Kirk could even say, I want to run zone scheme. I want to be this type of philosophy. Okay, that's fine. Just let me handle it from here. Well, I just don't believe that's going to happen. So I think, you know, I would say right now, I mean, to me, I would say right now, I could be convinced 50-50 that Kirk, um, you know, if it comes down, if Brian, you know, can't get another job somewhere by the time you get to February after signing day, or maybe, I I don't know. I think that's more likely than Kirk firing his son. For sure. There's no question. Kirk stepping away is more likely than him firing. Yeah reassigning and moving moving around the coaching staff. But would Brian would Brian be willing to do that? I mean, it's definitely going to be feel to him like a demotion, which it would be. Going from an offensive coordinator to an offensive line coach is a demotion. Would Brian's ego be able to handle that? But then again, would Brian's 
um, critical thinking abilities allow him to sit back and say, hey, I don't agree with any of this, but I recognize that the market may view me as toxic right now, too hot to touch, radioactive. Mm -hmm. I want to still coach football. It's what I want to do. And I can still make probably a half million to $600,000 a year being an offensive line coach at Iowa. Hell, I'm you may not that. even have to take a pay cut. That's right. May not even have to take a pay cut. You know, because Bart, he's a direct report to Bart, and we all know Bart is like a big old bulldog wanting a little belly scratch rolling to, over on his back when it comes time to talk about contracts. Move him to O-line coach. Make the public plea that they need help there. They haven't been good for a while. It's Brian's specialty. He needs to focus on that, and he's also the assistant to the head coach. Yeah, I try to bring in – I try to bring Tim Polasek back and be your offensive coordinator. But he was there for a while. Maybe he's like, I don't want to do that. I don't. Again, the offensive coordinator thing is going to be hard unless Kurt decides to step away. I'm really interested that. to know who the quarterback will be next year. I think it's not It's not going to be Petrus. He's got a COVID year, but there's no way. It's, to me, to me, you know what, with this Padilla stuff, the, the fact that Padilla hasn't like gone into the portal, um, I think I think clearly Alex is not outperforming Spencer in practice. And if that's the case, well, then I don't want Alex Padilla as Iowa's quarterback next year. So I think it's going to be taking your licks with an unproven quarterback, whether it's the May kid from Oklahoma who's on campus or the Labus kid or the Lanais kid coming in from uh, Jersey. Labus isn't I, even close, according to Brian Ferentz. I get it. I get it. So, but I, but you know, I think it'll be probably one of those God, three, like, or or wow. or transfer, or somebody in the transfer portal, which they could have should have done this year. How bad does Labus have to be right now if he's not close to Petrus? Well, you're not wrong in your assessment relative from logical deduction. I just, and, but I, I, at the end of the day, though, I still like we talk about the line. Like I feel bad for the line. In your analysis last week, like when the defense knows what you're going to do, yeah, and your personnel's down, like it's kind of hard to play offensive line against. I mean, you're going against Big Ten defenses here. You're, it's it's real hard, and that uh, I am I am so not looking forward to Saturday. So real quick, because I have a I have a one o'clock. I got a okay. hard cutoff here. Okay, um, I. When that got over thirty, I didn't bet a lot. I I go on a unit scale. Everything I bet, right? Um, which one unit for me is ten dollars. So it's right. Not, I went a unit and a half on Iowa at thirty and a half because I was just like, God, that's getting to be a lot of points. Yeah, but we've also seen Iowa just get killed by these types of uber talented teams in recent years. So like, I'm not crazy confident, but man, it just you you feel like Iowa like. The only problem is, John, they can't run the ball now. So shortening the game's hard if you're going three and out every time. Defense will be on the – to me, I'd like to have an over-under of 40 minutes as to how long Iowa's – the Ohio State offense will be on the field. I would be willing to bet a unit that it's over 40 minutes. And if it's over 40 minutes, that spread's getting covered. Probably right. Yeah. Well, I look forward to Hawkeye Sunday. Yes. I'll be here. <laughs> I'm going back home this weekend. I'm going to Clorinda. We're going to go see the folks. Good. That's great, man. Clorinda, Clorinda in October is especially beautiful. Everyone knows that. I uh, Are you going to drive by the uh, the uh, kids' home? The Axe Murder House? 
No, no, the uh, place where all those kids had the wave outside. Uh, you they, tormented. It got shut down. Remember? Mm, okay. They weren't tormented. They were. It was a youth home. You know, one man's prank is another person's torment. You're telling me right now that those kids don't have like emotional scarring from that that they're telling their <laughs> friends about, and one of their one of their buddies is like, "Hey, wait a second, you you were down at the Clorinda home, right? Yeah, I was. Did you have to wait? Yeah, we had to fucking wave. There'd be these people that would drive by and honk, and they'd wave at us. And there's one car that just kept going back and forth. Those douchebags. They don't have any idea how how much that still hurts. Yeah, well done, Chris. Pontiac Sunfire in undisclosed information prior to it had a sunroof <laughs> sec tony would get up through the sunroof and yeah yes yeah look we we all have things that we are ashamed of and would like to do over it just seems like yours are a little more cutting edge than the average bear you used to mock people at the a former president's grave no those were living people I didn't mock them. We tried yeah, to scare. Were, we tried to scare them. Ooh. I understand that, but you were disturbing a former president's grave. Disturbing it in what sense? You think old Herbie was uh, saying, "Hey, man, keep it down. I'm trying to sleep." Dude, he was freaking. He he is dust at that juncture. How do you I know mean, the spirit's not there? Um, I don't. I don't. You know what? I'd like to think that if it was, dude was laughing. Having a good old time with the Miller yeah, boys. These goddamn kids from. He'd West say, Bay. "You know what? This is exactly what I did when I grew up right over there on the banks of the Wapsipinicon <laughs> Creek." I'm glad to see there's still some fun being had in this damn town. Uh, God bless you. We'll see you. I'm sure we'll text this weekend. All right, go Hawks. Everybody have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Iowa everywhere.